Grace, mercy, and peace be unto from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. It's kind of hard to wrap our minds around the concept of eternity. Now, to some extent, we can grasp an understanding of history because we look around and we see its relics. We have videos, photos, paintings, monuments, records. Those things all tell us what happened before we ever came into existence. We get that history as knowable. Go the other direction and it gets a little harder. The future, unlike history, is unknown. So when it comes to eternity, then, that's beyond comprehension. How is it that there will be no end? It boggles the mind. Or when you're a little kid, right? Time's infinity is always the way that you end an argument. But God calls us to think about these things and how we see our lives in view of it. And we've been seeing all of that in the midweek series this year, how the past, how the now, how the last day, and now unto eternity, they're all viewed together. And how this is done in our lives is when we listen to God's word. We hear what he reveals about who we are in this time and how this is all seen in light of eternity. And it's a call to repentance, a call to vigilance. But we also see there's consolation when we see who we are in Christ. So God teaches us then to understand eternity and life everlasting. You first have to understand suffering and death. It sounds rather odd, doesn't it? But that, for that to be the case, God shows you who he is and what it means to be in this world. When you look at yourself and you see your frailty and the fact that you are a creature who has a beginning, unlike God who has no beginning and end. And that's really something. So when you consider yourself in reference to God or even time, you see how much you really lack. Or how in the grand scheme of things, we always talk about this in creation in the first article in confirmation class. When we look at, when you put a map up or a timeline and you look at the speck that we occupy even in this short amount of time. You see then that in yourself you have absolutely no ability, no way, no thought, no reason, no strength that you can bring about life. Or to sustain it. You're totally dependent on outside factors. You're a creature. You're not a creator. And our lives, though, insofar as we are sinners, we often live as though we can create eternity. Or perhaps that we think God is subject to us. Listen again to a portion of that parable Jesus spoke in that reading from Luke 12. Stay dressed for action. And keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast, so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So while we're in this world and living our lives, if we understand that we are merely creatures 
and that life doesn't come from ourselves, and each of us is heading towards death and judgment, and either eternal torment or eternal joy, what would our lives look like? If we understand that eternity is not up to us, but it's a real thing, even though we can't grasp it, what would our lives look like in this world? Would we be living each day in the mindset and heart of one who is the master of his own destiny? Would our lives be ruled and governed by what we desire, no matter the consequences? Just living in the moment, carpe diem, seize the day. Would we be living oblivious or simply not caring about eternity? Thinking, eh. Well, Jesus said in Matthew 24, For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. The people were going on about their lives, and then the floodwaters came, and they were forced to think about eternity. Later, St. Paul would write, If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor, as is right, and do not go on sinning. For some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. So for you who hear these words of the Lord, God calls you to think about eternity. In this Advent, you've been hearing this each week. We hear that over and over again. Jesus is coming just as he has come, and he's here even now. He warns you as he has warned others. He is the Lord, and there's no other. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. So as Christians, then, your minds are to be in Christ in view of eternity. You live each day knowing that you are a sinner, knowing the wages of sin is death, and knowing that you have no power over death. And you don't know when the Lord comes, will come on the last day. And you do not give the Lord instruction or, or commands. But Jesus calls us time and time again to wait for him, to be awake, to not have a lukewarm, lip-service faith, to not grow complacent. He calls you to hear his word and keep it. So that thought of eternity, then, it's a terrifying thing for those who are outside of Christ. There's no end to the suffering. But for you who love the Lord, you see eternity as your future joy and your glory to come. So even though we can't understand eternity, when we look at Christ and we understand his work for us, and we understand that he gives us victory over, the de over death and the grave, you know that your life is not going to end. So even when you die, unless the Lord returns first, you will not stay dead. Now think about that for a minute. You are a mere creature of God who has no power over life and death, who can't create these things, but you will live forever. And not only that, but your future is an eternity that's far more glorious than you can even imagine. And all of that is because the God who is eternal is the Lord who has had mercy 
on you in Christ, and one who gives you eternal life, freely, by his grace through faith in him, which he has given to you. So that never-ending life, that unto life everlasting, is God's gift to you on account of Christ, who entered into time, so that even though you have a beginning, you will not have an end. Living in the now, knowing what you have, and what will have for all eternity then, it gives new meaning towards things as you go through this life. You have eternity in view. So when you face things like suffering, persecution, times of trial, you understand them in a different way. And that reading from 1 Corinthians, you heard all of this. Listen again to what St. Paul wrote. He said, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Having eternal life means that all of these things listed here are not the end of you. You don't face suffering, and you have suffering forever. You don't face persecution and have persecution forever. You don't face death and stay dead forever. Instead, understanding who you are in Christ, these things refine you and they drive you to him. And he tells us that these things manifest in us or make known the life of Jesus in our bodies. In your baptism, you confess that I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So that's the confidence, then, to have and face eternity. It's a consolation to suffer and to groan and cry out now, even if you must, because you know at the end of the day, these things, they're only temporary. Those things are not eternal. And you rest and have consolation in the wounds of Jesus crucified for you. God through St. Paul goes on to say in the reading from 2 Corinthians, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction, momentary affliction, is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to things that are seen, but to things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So though we might not be able to fathom the concept of eternity, at least for right now, eternity is still yours. Temporal things such as sin, death, the power of the devil, they have no power over you because you're baptized into Christ. You hear his eternal word, and you feast on his true body and blood, which is the medicine of immortality. And in faith, you cling to those promises of the glory beyond all comparison, a joy that you can't even comprehend now, but you go forth 
Walk by faith, not by sight, each and every day. Our office hymn puts this well tonight, and so wonderfully. The author of the hymn was Johann Walter. He was known as the first Lutheran Conter. So he wrote a lot of the hymns in the early Lutheran hymnals and kind of was the first almost Lutheran church musician. And he wrote in that hymn we sang a few minutes ago, There shall we see in glory our dear Redeemer's face. The long-awaited story of heavenly joy takes place. The patriarchs shall meet us, the prophets, holy band. Apostles, martyrs greet us, and that celestial land. Their God shall from all evil forever make us free. From sin and from the devil, from all adversity, from sickness, pain, and sadness, from trouble, care, and fears, and grant us heavenly gladness and wipe away our tears. So what a joy that day will be to behold. But you know what? You'll have plenty of time to take it all in, to bask in it, to live in it. God's paradise of the new heavens and earth will be yours and all of God's saints to enjoy and live peacefully. And that's not a temporal thing. The time, well, you'll have all the time in the new world because you have everlasting life and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.